Hello and welcome to the Daily Bible Reading Show. We're looking at Job chapter 4. Job chapter 4. Then Eliphaz the Temanite answered and said, If one ventures a word with you, will you be impatient? Yet who can keep from speaking? So Eliphaz, Job's buddy, is asking for permission to speak up. And he says, you know, will you be impatient? You know, will you allow me to speak? And yet he says, I can't help it. Who can keep from speaking? So he's asking for permission, but not quite. He wants to say what he wants to say to his friend. And he says this, verse 3, Behold, you have instructed many, and you've strengthened the weak hands. So he acknowledges Job's reputation of helping those who are helpless, you know, giving strength to the weak. Verse 4, your words have upheld him who was stumbling and you've made firm the feeble knees. So again, helping um, those who need help, um, giving a voice to the voiceless, you know, your words upheld him. Verse 5, but now it has come to you and you are impatient. <laughs> so it's claiming that the tables have been turned. It touches you and you are dismayed, you know. You can't handle being on the other side of the fence. Now you're brought low. Now you're the one who needs help, and you're not dealing with it very well. Verse 6, Is not your fear of God your confidence, and the integrity of your ways your hope? Um, he is reminding Job to act like a Christian. <laughs> Don't you remember to fear God, um, maintain your character, to trust in Him? And yet, you know, what you've just said, Job, back in chapter 3, does not sound very Christian. So it's a charge towards Job for saying stuff that is very discouraging back in chapter 3. Verse 7, remember, who was that? who that was innocent ever perished, or where were the upright cut off? So kind of like saying uh, the good guys, they don't lose, they don't die. You know, the innocent never perishes. Verse 8, as I've seen those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. By the breath of God, they perish, and by the blast of his anger, they are consumed. So the good guys, they don't die. It's the bad guys. You know, they reap what they sow. And he uses lots of um, farming analogy. You know, they sow trouble, reap trouble. You know, they plow iniquity. So they're sowing through their actions, through their words, all these sinful things that just causes trouble to return towards them. Uh, verse, verse 10 the roar of the lion, the voice of the fierce lion, the teeth of the young lions are broken. <laughs> What's this thing about lots of lions? Verse 11, the strong lion perishes for lack of prey and the cubs of the lioness are scattered. I guess talking about how the strongest animal can be brought low. So you can be a lion, you can have teeth of a lion, but you can still die from hunger, you can still perish, you can still die. So maybe talking about how Job was once very, very strong like a lion, 
but now he's been brought low. He's experiencing this period of depression and maybe even judgment from God. Okay, uh, verse 12. Now, a word was brought to me stealthily, a secret message, uh, and my ear received the whisper of it. Amid thoughts from visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on men. So there's a kind of vision that Eliphaz claims to have received in the middle of the night. Uh, dread came upon me, and trembling, which made all my bones shake. So <laughs> it was very, very terrifying, very, very spooky, this encounter that he had, I presume, with God. Verse 15, a spirit glided past my face, my hair, the hair of my flesh stood up. <laughs> so very descriptive of this encounter with this vision, the spirit that glided past his face. It stood still, but I couldn't discern its appearance. A form was before my eyes. There was silence, and then I heard a voice. Ho, ho, ho. Can mortal man be in the right before God? Can a man be pure before his maker? Even in his servants, he puts no trust, and his angels, he charges with error. So, uh, um, so what he hears is this message from God. And this message, that's not from him, you know, it comes from God. He's just repeating before Job. He says, this message says, can a man stand pure and blameless before Almighty God? And it's a rhetorical question, because I think the answer is no. <laughs> no one can stand before God and claim, hey, you know what, I am right, and maybe you're wrong. You know, that, that's just silly. Because he says, even his angels he charges with error. So even the angels don't dare do these things before God, because even angels are considered error-prone. You know, God can actually charge them for doing wrong. How much more, verse 19, how much more those who dwell in houses of clay, talking about us, we who dwell on the earth whose foundation is in the dust, who are crushed like, <laughs> like the moth, like insects. You know, we can get squished. So compared to angels, we are insects. Compared to angels, we are sinful. Yeah. Verse 20, between morning and evening, they're beaten to pieces. They perish forever without anyone regarding it. Is not their tent cord plucked up within them? Do they not die? and that without wisdom. Whoa. So talking about this never-ending onslaught of judgment. You know, day and night, morning and evening, they're beaten, you know, they perish. No one notices it because they've just gone, you know, destroyed by God's wrath. And their tent cord is plucked up, describing this tent. You know, imagine going camping, and this tent is held up by the ropes, and someone pulls up the cord and just collapses it. So talking again about how God will bring his judgment on mankind because we deserve it, because we are sinful, and we should not argue about it because it says they die without wisdom. You know, they, they don't realize even that they're doing this, that they deserve it, and that it comes from God. And I think he is doing two things. Number one, he is pointing towards Job saying, you know, you're experiencing this judgment. It comes from God. Therefore, you deserve it. You deserve it. Just confess it. You know, you are sinful. Uh, God only judges the sinful. 
and therefore you deserve it. That's the first thing. But the second thing he talks about is his own authority. You notice he talks about this vision in a half um, of chapter chapter four. Is talking about how he has this encounter from God. He hears his voice, and it lends him this air of mystery and authority. You know, God has given this message to speak before Job that we are all sinful. We cannot stand before him. We deserve his judgment. How do we know? Well, God told him. And you have to wonder, you know, did he really receive this vision? Because it sounds very plausible. You could preach <laughs> this message in church talking about how we are sinful, we deserve God's judgment, and call for repentance. And it sounds very theological, sounds very Christian. Uh, but just remembering that actually God does clarify things at the end of Job. So uh, let me jump to Job um, chapter 42. This is at the end, the last chapter and verse 7. God says, my anger burns against you. Speaking specifically to Eliphaz. Why? Because you have not spoken of me what is right. So God himself says, you said the wrong thing about me. I did not give you this word. And that's scary, isn't it? Now, here is someone who's speaking on behalf of God, claiming this encounter that is spiritual and gives him this authority. And God says, no, I never said such a thing. And yet, he sounds so convincing. And the question is, um, how do you know? <laughs> how, how do you know? How can you tell when someone is speaking from God or is just trying to claim this authority? I think on one hand, you can't really tell just on its own. You have to read the book of Job, and God himself needs to clarify this. But maybe there is a clue. There's a clue here. You get the impression that he isn't very empathetic towards Job. I think what he's saying is actually true. You know, God does judge the wicked. God is holy. But he's so eager to speak his truth and not see um, with eyes of love the situation that Job is in. No, he's just, he's just applying it irregardless of the context of Job. And he doesn't recognize that there is a category of suffering for those who are innocent. You know, Job is God's servant. Job has been living an upright life. And yet God does allow suffering to fall upon his servant. And that, that doesn't compute in his head but instead of thinking about it, instead of recognizing that all his life that he's known, this friend of his, you know, as someone who is upright, you know, he does mention his reputation in the beginning. He does know what Job has done in the past. Just because he wants to be right, he speaks in this very callous, very unloving way. And so one clue of discerning whether this person is telling the truth or not it's just the loving nature, you know, the gracious nature in which he's speaking this truth, and it's not there. And it's devoid of empathy, of truth, of love towards his neighbor. Yeah. You know, truth, you know, truth without, without love, without grace, without regard for the person you're speaking that truth towards is, is not the gospel. It's not God's way of speaking the truth. <laughs> and that's Job chapter 4. 
Uh, Heavenly Father, help us. Help us to recognize truth, but help us also, more importantly, to speak truth in a way that is gracious and loving and really communicates the love of Christ to those who are suffering. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.